Hello and welcome to NTD News Today. Kevin Hogan here. Let's take a look at our top stories. Russia attacking Ukraine. We have the latest on what's happening in the country, along with analysis and how world leaders are responding. Russia's attack on Ukraine affected global markets today. Experts worry it could impact the world's economic recovery from the CCP virus pandemic. Oil prices also rose. A new bill in the works to make sure non-citizen truck drivers entering the U.S. don't have to show proof of vaccination. This comes while Canada's Prime Minister stops using the Emergencies Act, saying the situation with the trucker protest is no longer an emergency. There doesn't seem to be an easy solution to the water contamination case in Dimmick, Pennsylvania. The Attorney General's office pushes for a settlement, but not all residents accept the deal. Russia has launched an attack on Ukraine and at least 40 people have been killed so far. Now, Ukraine's president is calling on citizens to fight. NTD's Jessica Beatty reports. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky is calling on Ukrainian citizens who are ready to defend the country from Russian forces to come forward. We are already handing out weapons and will hand them out to defend our country to anyone who wants and has the capacity to defend our sovereignty. Russia launched an attack on Ukraine by land, air and sea in the early hours Thursday. It's after Russian President Vladimir Putin announced a, quote, special military operation. In response, Ukraine's president imposed martial law and cut diplomatic ties with Russia. Zelensky is asking world leaders for help. I have already called the world leaders to impose all possible sanctions against Putin, start full-scale defense support and close airspace over Ukraine for the aggressor. Together we must save Ukraine, save the democratic world. Ukraine is also asking NATO member Turkey to close Black Sea waterways to Russian ships. Although Ukraine is not a part of NATO, most of its neighbors to the west are. And NATO says it's deploying more assets to members in Eastern Europe. Putin claims Ukraine is committing genocide against ethnic Russians in the eastern part of the country. And the invasion is to protect those people. Ukraine dismisses the accusations, saying Putin was looking for an artificial pretext to attack. Earlier, Russian-backed separatists in eastern Ukraine asked Russia for military help against what they said was growing Ukrainian aggression. Ukraine has denied any such aggression. Putin told the Ukrainian military to stand down. I urge you to immediately lay down your weapons and go home. All servicemen of the Ukrainian army will fulfill this demand and will be able to freely leave the combat zone and return to their families. This is the biggest attack by one state against another in Europe since World War II. Jessica Beatty, NTD News. Last night's tragedy in Ukraine outraged the world. The U.S., the European Union and other nations have united to condemn Russia's attack. Many are promising unprecedented sanctions against the Kremlin. At the exact time as we are gathered in the council seeking peace, Putin delivered a message of war in total disdain for the responsibility of this, this council. This is a grave emergency. While the UN Security Council meeting was underway in New York, Russian forces fired missiles at several Ukrainian cities and landed troops on its southern coast. 
Russia's UN ambassador briefed the Council on Moscow's actions, attempting to defend their legitimacy. I wanted to say in conclusion that we're not being aggressive against the Ukrainian people, but against the junta that is in power in Kyiv. President Biden in a statement called Putin's attack unprovoked and unjustified. He said the world will hold Russia accountable. European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen denounced Putin for bringing war back to Europe. And once again in the center of Europe, innocent women, men and children are dying of fear for their lives. We condemn this barbaric attack and the cynical arguments to justify it. Following a summit later in the evening, the 27-member bloc will put in place new sanctions against Moscow. The bloc's diplomacy policy chief, Joseph Burrell, called it the toughest package of sanctions they have ever imposed. NATO Secretary General Jen Stoltenberg condemned Putin's actions as cold-blooded. It is a blatant violation of international law, an act of aggression against a sovereign, independent and peaceful country, and a serious threat to Euro-Atlantic security. The alliance will take further steps to strengthen its deterrence and defense. An emergency summit among all 30 member countries is scheduled for Friday. German Chancellor Olaf Scholz said Russia will pay a bitter price for its aggression. The country's foreign minister, Annalena Burbach, noted the world must respond firmly to Russia's attack, otherwise the cost will be even higher down the road. In a video address, British Prime Minister Boris Johnson vowed to work with other Western leaders to defeat Putin, accusing the dictator of unleashing a tidal wave of violence on his neighbors. Today, in concert with our allies, we will agree a massive package of economic sanctions designed in time to hobble the Russian economy. Also speaking out in condemnation include the leaders of Australia, the Czech Republic, Poland, Israel, Japan and South Korea with some mentioning plans for strong sanctions against Russia. The United States deployed F-35 fighter jets to Estonia and Lithuania today and extended the stay of its existing troops in the region. That's according to the Lithuanian Defense Ministry. F-35 fighter jets have not been deployed to the Baltics before. About 500 U.S. infantry troops with Abram tanks and Bradley armored vehicles were sent to Lithuania last year and were scheduled to leave in April. It was not clear how long they would be staying. The U.S. is bracing for Russian cyber attacks as Russia attacks Ukraine and the U.S. imposes sanctions on the country. The U.S. government is on high alert. A senior FBI cyber official warned U.S. businesses and local governments Tuesday they should be vigilant against potential ransomware attacks. And days earlier, multiple U.S. agencies issued a similar warning to executives at major U.S. banks. Russia has shown an ability to cause significant disruption and damage in cyberspace in the past. In fact, some of the biggest cyber attacks against U.S. infrastructure in the past two years have been linked to suspected Russian hackers. Global markets dived and oil prices rose today as Russia launched an invasion of Ukraine. Investors worry that a major war in Europe could hurt the economic recovery from the health crisis and disrupt global energy supplies. Markets in Europe opened with the stock's 600 index falling to its lowest level since May last year, 10% down from January's high. The German DAX felt most of that selling pressure due to the country's reliance on Russian energy supplies. The index was down just under 4% in early trade. In Russia itself, the MOEX stock index slumped over 40% after an initial halt to trading was lifted. The ruble fell 7% to an unprecedented record low, while the euro also dropped to a multi-year bottom.
That's as investors sold off currencies and moved into safe havens. Oil prices broke above $100 a barrel for the first time since 2014, with international benchmark Brent crude reaching just under $104 after the attack began. Asian investors also felt the pressure. The MSCI's broadest index of Asia-Pacific shares outside Japan fell more than 3% to its lowest level since November 2020. Tokyo's Nikkei closed almost 2% down. Since Russia's attack on Ukraine in the early hours Thursday, masses of Ukrainians are fleeing the country. What do they have to say about the tragedy in their homeland? Many Ukrainians arrived at the Polish border in Medica early in the morning after Russian missiles rained down on several Ukrainian cities. Just shattered, shattered, not for myself, not, I don't care about my own safety, I just, I care about Ukraine she has family and Ukrainians. Families with children are slowly crossing the border, carrying suitcases and luggage. Most world here to, to pray, I think, because if you ask about our family, I think we are quite lucky because uh, we crossed the border. Um, many people in Ukraine now are ready to protect the country. We all want peace and um, quiet. We don't want uh, war. Please, like, stop because um, people suffer from it, and we uh, we must we must uh, go out of the country because we have like no other choice. Some Ukrainians entering Polish border towns say they decided to flee because they think Russia might push further into Ukraine. At five o'clock, uh, some colleague called me and say war started and we with wife decide put all our things in the Lviv and uh, come back here. Explosions were heard before dawn in the capital of Kyiv, a city of three million people. The highway out of the city was jam-packed as sirens blared and residents tried to flee. Flights are also being canceled at Kyiv's airport. A passenger said they were not given any information about leaving the country. No one is helping us now. No one is telling us what happened. Ukraine says it's closed its airspace to civilian flights due to high risk in terms of safety. A screen recording from flight tracking website's Flight Radar 24 shows all aircraft being diverted around Ukraine at the time when Russia launched the attack. President Zelensky asked people not to panic in a speech to the nation. But more residents are trying to get to safer places. Uh, I'm going to my parents. Uh, they are living in the middle of Ukraine, and I think it's safer there. I haven't slept till uh, 4 a.m. because um, everyone said that at 4 a.m. it's going to start a war. Uh, we're going to Cherkasy to our family to be together now in this not very safe time in Ukraine. But we will uh, have a victory, I believe. For weeks, Central European countries bordering Ukraine, including Romania, Slovakia, Hungary and Poland, have been gearing up for the expected influx of refugees. Hundreds of residents of Kharkiv, Ukraine, lined up to donate blood at a local hospital, but the hospital still doesn't know if it will be enough to sustain Ukraine during the war. The head nurse of logistics and reserves says he guesses about two times more people than usual have come to donate blood. The nurse says it's giving the hospital blood reserves. There is no telling whether it will be sufficient. Kharkiv is Ukraine's second largest city and a major target for Russia. It's also the closest large city to Russia. 
Kharkiv was also the focus of pro-Russian activities after Ukraine's pro-Russian president fell from power in 2014. Kharkiv is already facing civilian casualties in the latest Russian action. Relations with Russia continue to deteriorate over the situation in Ukraine, but a space expert says this should not have a significant impact on the International Space Station or cooperation with Russia in space. Here are the details. Scott Pace, the former head of the National Space Council, says the space station has been largely isolated from political events. That includes the current tension with Russia over Ukraine. You know, it's not invincible. Uh, it, uh, it does exist in a larger context of, uh, of U.S.-Russian relations. Uh, given our mutual dependence, however, and given the good working relationship we have at the technical level, uh, I don't see anything happening to the station uh, in the near term, uh, despite events on Earth. The International Space Station, or ISS, is a partnership among 15 countries. They include the U.S., Russia, Canada, Japan, and several European nations. It currently hosts four NASA astronauts, two Russian cosmonauts, and one European astronaut. Pace says cutting off space cooperation with Russia would be the very last resort. It's possible to imagine uh, a break with Russia that would endanger the space station, um, but that would be at the level of, uh, of uh, dropping diplomatic relations. That would be something that would be an utterly last resort. Uh, and so I don't really see that happening. Uh, unless there is a wider uh, military confrontation. Congress members have raised concerns about the impact that tensions over Ukraine could have on the ISS. Lawmakers have specifically exempted space cooperation from previous sanctions on Russia. The trend is likely to continue. Republican senators have introduced the Truckers Act. It's a bill meant to eliminate the proof of vaccination requirement for truck drivers in the U.S. who are non-citizens. And in Canada, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau has revoked the use of the Emergencies Act. Senators Marco Rubio and Rick Scott, along with Marsha Blackburn and others, introduced the Truckers Act. Its long name is the Terminating Reckless and Unnecessary Checks Known to a Road Regular Shipping Act. It would stop the vaccine requirement for commercial truck drivers who are trying to enter the country temporarily through ports of entry from Mexico or Canada. Senator Marco Rubio said in a statement, the Biden administration's decision to impose a vaccine mandate on cross-border truckers transporting goods to and from Americans makes zero sense. According to The Hill, the Biden administration is working to vaccinate more Americans, strengthen the economy, and eliminate supply chain disruptions. And in October, Biden implemented a mandate that requires proof of full vaccination for foreign travelers who come to the U.S. by land, which includes truck drivers. And in Canada, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau has removed emergency powers that police have at their disposal, saying that the situation is no longer an emergency. It comes after the authorities put a stop to the blockades at the border created by truckers and others. We are confident that existing laws and bylaws are now sufficient to keep people safe. The Emergencies Act gave authorities the power to prohibit access to certain areas and freeze truckers' bank accounts, as well as urge tow truck companies to take vehicles away. And he says within two months, an inquiry will be launched into what led up to having to use the Emergencies Act. Trudeau said he defends Canadians' right to assemble peacefully and that the Emergencies Act is compliant with the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms. Now that the Canadian truckers' protest has drawn to a close, American truckers are planning to keep it going. 
Several U.S. convoys are scheduled to go to D.C. ahead of President Biden's State of the Union address. NTD's Jason Perry is in Southern California, where the People's Convoy kicked off. A lot of people have asked why we're doing this, what's your reason behind it. And people want like a defined, clear answer. They think it's one, one issue, one thing. But the truth is, freedom. It's about my children. It's about my grand, future grandchildren. It's about our families. It's about our country. People can try to paint this any way they want. They're going to say this is a far right or far left, or this is a a, a partisan issue. But it's not. It's an American issue. I'd like you all to be peaceful. And I know you're already peaceful, but also if you see any trash or anything laying on these grounds, the boys up here in Atalanta open the stadium to us on no notice. Let's leave this place cleaner than we found it. I'm relying on all of you to do it. After everyone finished speaking on stage, we walked around and talked to some of the people here and see why they wanted to support the truckers. You know, an American just supporting our rights and, um, you know, just supporting the men and women that are out there just uh, standing up and doing the things that I necessarily can't do. So this is my best way to support them. I'm sort of tired of the government feeling they know what's best for me. And if we do not stand up to it, it's a slippery slope. It becomes everything. Everyone in my family was born in Canada except me. I have 100 years of Canada in my blood. And what Canada is doing is disgusting. And I hope Trudeau gets kicked out soon. And I think we're starting to see the awakening around the whole entire globe of what these vaccine mandates, whether if you agree with them or not, people shouldn't be coerced or forced to do something that they don't want to. And they have the right to do that. We're seeing what's happening in Canada and things can get serious and ugly very quickly. And we don't want that to happen. We know we're gonna remain peaceful and calm. And yeah, we just send out our prayers to them, most importantly, to them and their families. And when they get to DC, may everything just go smoothly and may this wake up more and more people along the way. We also found one trucker here who is not going on the convoy. He was just off today. He shared with us what it feels like to be a trucker and the unity that they have. So you bring a bunch of people together in a positive, supportive way, um, that love and support, and, and here's what happens. And this is the outcome of it. And it's gonna continue to keep going until we get what we're supposed to have, which is our rights. You'd be surprised, it's not just the truckers out there. It's it's almost every organization. Anytime you, you, you put that uniform on and you go out there and you do what's expected, um, it builds that, that that trust, that loyalty, and it becomes a band of brothers, you know? And so I'm just glad to be able to share that so other people will see what this is all about and what that band of brothers does, you know? And it's it's just, um, in the long run, it just, you know, you're able to uh, show strength, unity, and love, and honor and respect. Now that the rally is over, everyone is lined up in a convoy on their way to Arizona. The trucks are going to be in the front of the convoy, followed by RVs and trailers, and then behind them will be four-wheelers, is what they call regular cars. And as you can see, they're all heading that way now. Next stop is Arizona. Jason Perry, NTD News, California.
Pennsylvania is shaping up to be quite the battleground state for the midterm elections. The Republican Senate primary is heating up there with a hedge fund CEO and a celebrity doctor emerging as frontrunners. Here are the details. The GOP primary for Pennsylvania's open Senate seat has it all. Star power, high stakes, and a lot of money. With three months left to go, it's already shaping up to be the most expensive Senate contest in Pennsylvania's history, with wealthy candidates and outside groups all pouring money into the race. Now I'm running for the U.S. Senate to fight the woke mob, hijacking America's future. Dr. Oz is a conservative outsider who will take on the Washington establishment. I'm Carla Sands, and I'm a MAGA conservative. On the Republican side, some $35 million has already been spent to flood the airwaves. The two candidates leading the way are celebrity doctor Mehmet Oz. How do you think Washington got it wrong with COVID? And Army veteran and former hedge fund CEO Dave McCormick. I'll fight for the people of Pennsylvania. Both of whom are running for office for the first time as a swing state that voted for Trump in 2016 and Biden in 2020. Pennsylvania could be the key to who controls the Senate. Former Pennsylvania Congressman and CNN contributor Charlie Dent says Republicans will need independent voters and potentially even some Democrats to win. Republicans have to be concerned that they do not nominate somebody who is seen well outside the mainstream. If they do, Pennsylvania could easily go Democrat. But first, the candidates must win the Republican primary, which means appealing to the former president's base. McCormick is married to former Trump White House official Dina Powell, and a number of Trump White House alumni are part of his campaign. Carla Sands has emphasized her ties to the Trump administration. She served as ambassador to Denmark. I'm the only candidate in this race for the U.S. Senate in Pennsylvania who actually worked in the Trump administration. Meantime, Oz is on a non-traditional campaign path, recently taking time off the trail to accept a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Oz, McCormick, and Sands skipped a debate Monday night and have been called out by rival Jeff Bardos, the 2018 Republican nominee for lieutenant governor. I don't understand how these political tourists, these out-of-staters, don't show up to debates. McCormick was born and raised in Pennsylvania, while Oz went to medical school here. But both men have lived out of state until recently. Prosecutors in Pennsylvania are trying to handle one of the best-known pollution cases related to the fracking industry. It involves the state's busiest gas driller and a local residence in the rural community called Dimmick. Here are the details. The Pennsylvania Attorney General's Office is pushing for a settlement between homeowners in Dimmick, Pennsylvania and Cabot Oil and Gas, which is now known as Coterra Energy. They say the settlement, rather than a conviction, could bring more significant benefits for homeowners affected by water contamination. One of the discussions is about some sort of system that would be approved by an independent consultant to make sure that it's actually something that's going to function and it's going to work. The option they recently discussed is installing water treatment systems. Such systems are designed to remove contaminants related to gas drilling from well water. But not everyone in the rural community of Dimmick accepts them. Some say the filter systems are inadequate and not working properly. I don't know when the AG suddenly decided they want to be a water treatment system salesperson for the industry. Okay? That doesn't work for me. You know, you're supposed to be here prosecuting this company for nine families, six misdemeanors. You never get in a courtroom. Ray Kemble, a local resident who's impacted by water contamination, 
says his house is relying on water stored in water tanks. The pipeline is the only solution they have when the aquifer is gone and trying to you know, push water treatment systems that do not work onto our properties. The community has been dealing with water contamination for over a decade. State regulators blame Cabot's faulty gas wells for leaking methane into the groundwater. I think we have every right to know what the hell is going on in this deal. It's our water, our homes, and our lives that are being jeopardized here. And we're totally kept out of the loop, and that's not right, and I'm tired of it. Some residents want to be hooked up to public water, but that's also a controversial idea in their own community. The Federal Aviation Administration says 5G wireless operations can interfere with airplanes, specifically the devices that measure altitude in Boeing 737s. It impedes a crew's ability to safely fly or land. The agency warns that due to 5G, certain airplane systems may not function properly during approach, landings, and go-arounds. The notice affects some 2,400 airplanes in the United States and about 8,300 worldwide. But the FAA stresses that the issue poses little practical effect for airlines. The warning does not apply to aircraft flying into areas where the 5G environment has been rendered safe for aviation. The FAA says that includes nearly all airports. The agency says the directive posted on Wednesday for most Boeing 737s is similar to notices issued previously for the 737 MAX, the 747, 757, 767, and 777. Alabama is one step closer to banning transgender bathrooms at schools. The State House of Representatives passed a bill Tuesday requiring students to use bathrooms that match their original sex on their birth certificate. The bill applies to K-12 schools. Supporters say it would protect girls' privacy and safety, while critics say it targets transgender students. Alabama House members approved it 74 to 24, and now heads to the state Senate. Meanwhile, in Indiana, lawmakers are also advancing a bill dealing with transgender issues in schools. A bill that would ban transgender athletes from girls' sports is on the fast track to passing. It could pass the full Senate as soon as today. After that, it would head to the governor's desk. Indiana's governor has not said whether he'll approve it or not. Crazy dash cam video out of Vermont. A state trooper was helping out a family who'd crashed Saturday morning when an SUV heading in the opposite direction spun out of control, ran off the road, and flipped multiple times into a ditch. What you can't see here is the trooper was standing next to his car, and he had to jump over the guardrail to get out of the way. There were two little kids in the SUV. Luckily, they were both in car seats, and they're doing okay. The 28-year-old driver wasn't wearing a seatbelt, though, and was thrown from the car, but apparently is only dealing with moderate injuries. With more winter weather on the way, troopers hope this video will remind people to slow down and buckle up. Prosecutors in New York say dozens of antiquities seized from collector and billionaire Michael Steinhardt are being returned to the people of Greece. This after a years-long investigation into the looted artifacts. Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg said the artifacts include a sculpture of a young man from about 560 B.C. that's worth $14 million. The return of the ancient objects is occurring after the district attorney's office announced a deal in December. According to the deal, Steinhardt was to surrender $70 million worth of antiquities acquired illegally from Greece and other countries. 
COVID-19 cases have tumbled 90% in the U.S. since mid-January, according to new data. Johns Hopkins University says this drop from more than 802,000 daily cases to less than 80,000 happened over a six-week period. Average daily case rates are back down to the level seen last November, right before the Omicron variant was confirmed in the U.S. Hospitalizations from COVID-19 are also falling. The Department of Health and Human Services says there are currently about 53,000 COVID-19 patients. That's about a third of the number of patients hospitalized last month. New York City's Mayor Eric Adams says he can't wait to lift the vaccine mandate for indoor settings. That was his answer Wednesday when asked for his response to other northeastern cities phasing out their mandates. Yes, and I can't wait to get it done. Uh, I think that I take my hat off to New Yorkers through masks, through vaccines, through social distancing. Uh, But I look forward to the next few weeks of going to a real transformation that I don't have to wonder what you look like. I would know what you look like again. But the mayor says he doesn't want to get ahead of himself. He says he meets with health experts daily and looks forward to what he calls a real transformation in COVID-19 related policies in the coming weeks as long as cases continue to drop. Adams also stressed that the experts agree that the city cannot close down again. The Orchid Show is returning to the New York Botanical Gardens Conservatory. The floral designer this year chooses to incorporate a kaleidoscope among the orchids. Let's take a look. When you look into a kaleidoscope, every time you look into a kaleidoscope, you see a different image, you see a different scenario, you see a different beautiful story and that's really what we do is we're storytelling so when the moment that you walk in here to to house six to house four to house five it's a storytelling throughout the whole garden it's the orchid is one of the largest known flowering plant flammies with over 30,000 naturally occurring species and over 150,000 human-made hybrids the new york botanical garden says they highlight the orchid to show biodiversity the orchid show will open to the public on saturday the 26th and end on the 1st of May. Soon we look at rent rates and the price of homes. Unfortunately, they are high right now, but an expert says we could see them come down, and we address how investment firms are making it more difficult for Americans to buy houses. Stay tuned after this break. So far, so good for the 2022 jobs outlook in the U.S. The Labor Department reported today that continued claims for unemployment benefits fell to under 1.5 million for the week that ended February 12th. When adjusted for seasonal swings, it's the lowest that level has been since March of 1970. Initial jobless claims for the last week held steady at 232,000. And Citigroup is getting rid of overdraft fees, making it the largest U.S. bank to eliminate the charges. The fees, including those charged for insufficient funds and overdraft protection, have been hammered by consumer advocates who say they unfairly punish those who can least afford it. Citi joins a growing list of leaders changing or eliminating the charges amid pressures from Congress and increased competition from online banks. Citi says the fees will be dropped by the summer. Now we look at the housing market. A few factors are making it more difficult for people looking to buy a home. For one, high inflation is causing mortgage rates to rise, 
And two, Wall Street is buying up starter homes, according to Bloomberg. This has had an impact on places like Phoenix, for example, where private equity is being pumped into real estate market, which is making renters out of first-time homebuyers. Here to give us some analysis on this is John Ziegler, who is the CEO of RentPath. He says the cost of renting is rising a lot in high urban areas, but it's dropping somewhat in areas like Atlanta and Philadelphia. The last two years, we've seen a historically high increase in rental rates across the country, uh, with some markets increasing between 40 and 50 percent even in the past year. I do think that we're going to see that begin to moderate over time. Uh, But going into 2022, I think one of the things that we really need to be watching for is the impact of higher inflation and lower liquidity coming from from the government. Uh, and what that has on the rental market and the housing market overall. So which policies have you seen that have really helped people start renting? Yeah, I think so. From a policy, government policy standpoint, you've had the last two years where we've had significant uh, government assistance coming uh, as a result of COVID that has put a lot of liquidity into the market, in particular uh, into the into the lower segment of the market that would typically be renting in the, call it the class B and class C properties. Uh, that has really been a help, and it's why we've seen, in addition to a moratorium on evictions, we've actually seen very low evictions over time, even post-moratorium, uh, because because you have the consumers much more liquid than they used to be. So those policies have really helped. Yeah, investment companies like BlackRock, their investors are buying up one out of every five houses, and this is pushing Americans out of the housing market. Is there any solution to this? Uh, well, I mean, I'm not sure it's pushing Americans out of the housing market. It's pushing them a lot out of being able to purchase the houses. Um, you know, large investment firms have been in the multifamily space, the apartment space, for a long time. Um, so they're very large, uh, you know, private equity firms and, and, and companies that own significant uh, properties and then manage those as well, all for the, you know, as, as rental properties. So that's nothing new for the rental market. Uh, in a lot of cases, it really drives quality of management, quality of services into those, uh, into those, into those properties. So not bad for for a renter. Ziegler says in the work from home era, a lot of coastal towns and second tier towns with a good quality of life are seeing a lot of people flock there. Awards for the winners in eight Oscar categories will be presented before the live show at the Academy Awards this year. Those awards will be edited into the broadcast for viewers at home to watch. The categories awarded before the show include Best Documentary, Short Subject, Best Film Editing, Best Makeup and Hairstyling, and Best Original Score. Awards will also be presented early for Best Production Design, Best Animated Short Film, Best Live Action Short Film, and Best Sound. The Academy's president, David Rubin, announced the new format on Tuesday. Rubin said the change will make the Oscars, quote, tighter and more electric. Disney announced on Tuesday that Disneyland and Disney California Adventure are welcoming back their nighttime spectacular shows this spring. There will also be a new finale for the Main Street Electrical Parade. Here are the details. Disney fans should be on the lookout for the Main Street Electrical Parade, Fantasmic, World of Color, and Disneyland Forever Fireworks shows coming to the theme parks on April 22nd. For the 50th anniversary of the Main Street Electrical Parade, there will be an all-new float at the grand finale that celebrates the theme of togetherness. The inspiration comes from the original design of the parade floats and the iconic art style on It's a Small World. The seven-segment float stretches 118 feet, 
and brings to life more than a dozen Walt Disney Animation Studios and Pixar Animation Studios films. Guests will be able to see floats like Encanto, Raya and the Last Dragon, Aladdin, The Princess and the Frog, and more. Fantasmic will be back to celebrate its 30th anniversary on May 28th. The musical and animated show that lights up on the waters of the rivers of America displays clips and images from movies such as Fantasia, The Jungle Book, and Pirates of the Caribbean. World of Color will return full-time to California Adventure along with its music, fog, and fire effects. The nighttime show displays beloved Disney and Pixar images accompanied by a water show. While the Disneyland Forever fireworks show is returning in April, it will only run from Friday through Sunday until returning nightly in the summer. The Justice Department announces it's ending an effort to combat economic espionage, trade theft, and technology transfer by the Chinese regime. The reason? Claims of racism and mishandling. And while I remain focused on the evolving significant threat that China poses, I have concluded that this initiative is not the right approach, and instead, the current threat landscape demands a broader approach. The program will be replaced by one with a focus aimed at a range of countries. The Assistant Attorney General says he is still focused on threats from the Chinese regime, but says the approach needs to ensure that it doesn't antagonize ethnic Chinese in the U.S. He also says a clearer distinction between the Chinese Communist regime and people of Chinese descent is needed. The remarks follow petitions by several rights groups to end the program, as well as the results of a survey that found that the initiative frightened ethnic Chinese working in American universities. One of the organizations that criticized the program has been accused of pushing pro-Beijing policies in the U.S. A new report finds that some academics are self-censoring to avoid offending students from authoritarian states. The survey conducted across a range of British institutions found that two-thirds of respondents say academic freedom is under threat in UK universities. While a majority of respondents state that the nationality of their students does not constrain class content, nearly a quarter said it does. This is more likely when students are from authoritarian states. Among scholars specialising in China, over 40% say they self-censored. And on average, 20% of respondents say that they self-censor. The paper, published in the International Journal of Human Rights, found online teaching during the pandemic made the issue more acute. 44% of respondents said that they self-censor when teaching online, while a 34% said they didn't. The 2020 survey was conducted with about 1,500 social science academics working in higher education providers throughout the UK. Students from China applying to study in the UK now outnumber those from Wales. Still to come, a robot that burrows through grain holds the key to important information in saving food waste as well as saving lives. A historical drama called Vikings Valhalla will premiere on Netflix later this week. It will tell the stories of explorer Leif Erikson, his sister, and a prince. All that and more here on NTD News. New Zealand's Prime Minister was rushed out of a school event in Christchurch after protesters opposing CCP virus restriction measures filled the area. 
Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern's vehicle was surrounded as she left a school event. State broadcaster TVNZ reported that protesters chased her down a long driveway screaming about mandates and pandemic restrictions. She was earlier lauded for her success in keeping the country COVID-free, but now the Prime Minister faces fierce criticism for the slow unlocking of restrictive measures. Demonstrations against her leadership began in capital city Wellington. Protesters occupied the lawn and streets around the Parliament building for three weeks. The protesters have now spread to other parts of North and South New Zealand. Daily COVID infections are hitting record levels in the country. Iceland will lift all public CCP virus restrictions. The country says herd immunity is the way out of the pandemic. Iceland's prime minister says the country is returning to normal, although the virus lingers. The country's prime minister says new restrictions are possible if necessary. The country's health minister says residents should still be careful and practice prevention measures. The prime minister says both inside the country and at the border, all rules on quarantine, social gatherings, and school regulations regarding COVID-19 will end tomorrow. The government will not treat vaccinated and unvaccinated individuals differently at the border. The country already lifted its restrictions on the unvaccinated inside the border twice. The Ministry of Health says the vaccine is not enough to stop the virus. It wants to try herd immunity. The health ministry says as many people need to be infected as possible to achieve this. Dramatic video from Lima, Peru, captured the moment a paraglider was rescued after crashing into the Pacific Ocean. The paraglider crashed into the sea off the coast of Peru's capital, Lima. A second paraglider who flew in to rescue the victim also crashed into the sea. In total, police and rescue workers rescued four paragliders. They are reported to be in good condition, with one recovering in the hospital from injuries sustained. A robot capable of burrowing through grain could help save millions of tons of food waste every year, as well as human lives. It aims to be the first fully automated grain drone able to penetrate beneath the surface of grain in storage silos and report back important information on moisture and humidity levels. NTD's Neil Woodrow has this report. This is Crover, a rather unusual drone that can operate in hostile and dense environments, such as grain silos. Still in its testing phase, but when finished, the drone could penetrate through 10 meters of grain. This can be very useful for humans who find grain a very dangerous material to work in. Fatalities have occurred with farmers falling into the grain and suffocating. Lorenzo Conti's work led to the invention of the technology powering the Crover drone. Uh, the problem is usually when you have uh, effectively air pockets that form below the surface because of arches of uh, force chains between the grains that if you walk on top of uh, and, and they break, effectively you, you get an action a bit like quicksand and then you can, you can sink in there. And if you do, there's nothing that can really save you because you've only got a few seconds. The drone will negate the need for a human to risk walking across the grain. Grain can sit in the silo for many months before it's sold, but it can often become infested with bugs or fungi. Near the Scottish border, farmer Robert Neal is performing weekly checks of his stored grain. It is a long and laborious task requiring him to physically spear multiple sites around his silo. If it's not put into the grain store in the correct manner um, and temperature starts to rise, moisture starts to rise, 
um, then in turn bugs start to, to um, breed, start to live, mycotoxins and fungus starts to grow in the grain and then the grain goes off and it's a total loss to me as a farmer, no income. Estimates by the UN indicate 20% of grain going into storage globally each year is ruined. Finding these hotspots where the temperature and humidity have risen is a problem. If you've got a, a great big heap of grain like we have here behind me, and that hotspot is in the core of that, um, and, and, it, and it escalates and grows to the outside, you know, a week or a fortnight or three weeks, by the time it gets to the outside, it's too late. You know, and, and, and getting uh, samples from the core of these big grain uh, heaps and silos is quite a challenge. This is where Crover's drone comes in. The technical director at Crover explains how the drone moves, capturing the grains by adjusting the fins. If we move the fins on the top, that means at the bottom the surface will be smooth and it will move much slower. If we move the, grains, uh, if we move the fins at the back, this way we'll start, start capturing a, a little bit of grain at the bottom and moving them on the top, this way we can, we can start going, going down. The tiny sensor on this side of the drone monitors in real time the condition of the grain, both its temperature and humidity. Crover plans to launch a commercial version of its drone for the summer. Neil Woodrow, NTD News. A new show on Netflix will narrate Viking adventures from more than a thousand years ago. It's called Vikings Valhalla and it will mix history with drama. It's set to premiere on Friday the 25th. Let's take a look. Vikings Valhalla is set some 100 years after the end of the hit series Vikings. It tells the stories of Norse figures like explorer Leif Erikson, his sister Freydis Erik's daughter and Prince Harald Sigurdsson. Australian actor Sam Corlett will play Leif Erikson. No, it's great to dive into, you know, the legends that lives in these sagas, but yeah, stripping it back down and um, really telling an a human story and being as human with it as possible. Um, that was really fascinating for me. The plot follows the three main characters' journey to avenge fellow Vikings killed in England. British actor Leo Souter will play Prince Harald Sigurdsson, who eventually became King of Norway. I first learned about Harald Hardrada as an English schoolboy and his, and his role in 1066. So I started this research 15 and a bit years ago, which was quite fun. But it, but it was cool to be playing a character that my friends knew the name of. So that was quite fun. Icelandic actor Johannes Hawker Johannesson will play Olaf Haraldsson. The actor says preparing for the role meant revisiting history he studied at school. Yeah, it's not every day that you get to, to take part in working on a script that has all this, you know, extra material uh, being all the history books and all the different stories that are, have been written about these these guys so that's i mean that's great fun for us as actors to to really dive into that the series features plenty of seafaring and bloody battles it also looks at the distrust between pagan and christian vikings the showrunner and writer says it mixes drama and history i think what valhalla does is it tracks these characters through through the reasoning how did they how, where did they get their motivation to do that and I found that that was really exciting. Vikings Valhalla will premiere on Netflix on Friday, February 25th. A collection of vintage props for the popular Netflix royal drama The Crown has been stolen in the UK. The total value of the missing items amounts to some $200,000.
According to British police and a spokesperson for Netflix, the stolen items included jewelry, candlesticks, silverware, a domed birdcage, and a replica of a rare Fabergé egg. The egg was acquired by Queen Elizabeth's grandfather, George V, in 1933. The theft occurred last week near the English town of Doncaster. Police say they have so far exhausted all available investigative leads. The case is now on file pending any new clues. The Crown is an award-winning drama about the British royal family. It garnered a great deal of attention with its dramatic portrayal of Elizabeth's life and reign. The show is currently in its fifth season. A Netflix spokesperson said alternatives will be sourced to ensure filming runs on time. On today's health segment, we will look at 10 foods that fight anxiety and stress. Here's Gina Marie, who brings us Strong Mind and Body. In stressful situations, it's easy to turn toward food to deal with emotions. But unfortunately, the foods we're often drawn to are usually very high in fat and carbs. Eating those types of foods might make you feel good temporarily, but all that sugar could potentially exacerbate your negative feelings. There are healthier choices that can boost those feel-good chemicals in your brain. Let's look at some healthier options. Number one, spinach. It may be the complete opposite of what you were craving, but spinach and other leafy greens are rich in magnesium. This is a mineral that's essential in more than 300 chemical reactions in the body. Magnesium is used to help prevent anxiety and also to treat ADHD. Number two, whole grains. All carbohydrates trigger the brain to produce serotonin, one of those feel-good hormones. This helps to balance out your mood, appetite, sleep and memory. To naturally boost your serotonin levels, choose healthy whole grain breads and brown rice. Also add oatmeal to your diet for a little extra stress relief. Number three, avocados. Potassium naturally helps to lower blood pressure and just half an avocado contains more of it than one medium banana. Number four, oranges. Oranges are full of vitamin C, which lowers cortisol and blood pressure. According to a study, vitamin C has been proven to reduce both physical and mental responses to stress. Number five, salmon. White salmon is such an important food source for its powerful omega-3 fatty acids. It helps to prevent stress hormones from rising and fights inflammation. Number six, nuts. Nuts like pistachios and walnuts are rich in healthy fats and lots of vitamins plus minerals. These nutrients may help to strengthen you and lift you up when you're likely to feel stressed, anxious, or even depressed. Number seven, yogurt. According to WebMD, a diet that incorporates probiotic foods has been shown to change the body's response to stress and anxiety. This includes certain types of yogurt with live cultures. Just remember to look for yogurt without the sugar. Number eight, chia seeds or sunflower seeds. Chia seeds and sunflower seeds contain an amino acid that triggers the release of serotonin in the brain. This promotes feelings of calmness and sometimes even sleepiness. Number 9. Asparagus Low levels of folate may be partly to blame for feeling more anxious and even a little depressed. Asparagus is a great choice because it's very rich in folate. 
Number 10, dark chocolate. Is it really any secret that chocolate is known to release those feel-good chemicals in our brains? Research has shown that it can actually help to calm you down too. So make sure you stick to a healthy diet because that's key for helping you to cope better with stress and anxiety. Thanks for watching. At NTD, we're honored to be your source for the news. Catch us again tonight at 6.30 Eastern. In New York City, I'm Kevin Hogan.